Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The 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 woman, the myth, the legend, all of the things. Scout Sobel, she you've just created so much incredible. You've dreamed up so much. You are such an entrepreneur to the point where you are releasing a book. But what I love about you so much is you are a badass businesswoman, crushing it and like making so much money and changing women's lives and doing all this stuff. But like you are fully invested your emotions and like put it leading with that and you don't try to just like be this corporate cold business person you're like all about your feelings and you have a big journey so I started working with you because you run a network called scouts agency where you pretty much have a ton of women who collaborate with you and you get them on podcasts, you get their, you get them branding and you crush. And like the guests that you have brought me have been some of my favorite interviews, loved them, but you have had a long journey to get here. So kind of talk to me about your path. Yeah. So before we started recording, I was like, it's so good to see you in person (laughs) because collaborating with you has been the best over the last two years. And you know, you know firsthand that we don't talk corporate lingo in our emails. And sometimes when I get a new employee, um, I will literally slack her and be like, can you add more warmth to that email? You know, <laughs> just because I, I really believe in human connection and all that we do. But where I started, so I suppose, you know, dreaming up all of this, running Scouts Agency, co-hosting OKSIS podcast, hosting Scout podcast, coming out with my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur is probably not the uh, destination people thought that I would kind of end up at a long time ago. 
when I was 14, I had my first depressive episode, and then I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 20. I dropped out of... Yeah? What is a depressive episode? How do you know when you're having one? So... Uh, well, I'm sure you it, know when you're having one. Yeah. <laughs> For me specifically, it looked like just a complete dip in mood that lasted a couple months. I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped putting myself together for school. You know, I was a freshman in high school. Um, I started utilizing all these things to try and control, you know, uh, either not eating or binging and purging. I don't suffer from an eating disorder, but it was a way that I kind of attempted to have emotional control over what was happening to me. I was self-harming. I was isolating. And it became very apparent to my loved ones and to my friends and family. So I knew pretty off the bat, and then my physical appearance reflected that inner, inner change. And then once news of the self-harm and the restricting and binging came out, my parents put me in therapy. And it was, you know, let me see, I'm terrible at math, but it was about six years until I was diagnosed officially after going to therapy. And I was really the only friend of mine in therapy. And I don't remember really receiving quite judgment around it. Uh, yes, my friends made fun of me at times for being the more sensitive one, for being the one that's a little bit more emotional. And so it was always kind of known that I struggle a little bit internally. I was known for taking ridiculous amounts of mental health days. I would just leave. Um, my mom wrote me notes out or sometimes I would just skip school constantly just to be alone and enter into my own little world. But it wasn't really until I got formally diagnosed, or I should say it wasn't really until I left for college that the symptoms became to a point where I couldn't just, you couldn't just track me up to teenage hormones anymore. It was really something more that was happening in my brain. And I started developing paranoia that men were following me home. They were in my car, under my bed. I was very quickly losing touch with reality. And I remember calling my dad crying from the balcony of my apartment at college saying, you know, something's going on here. And him even thinking to himself, okay, well, is this just her being sensitive to the fact that she left home, the fact that her and, you know, my parents had just gotten divorced, or is something bigger happening to my daughter? And uh, something bigger was happening to me, which resulted in years of uh, psychiatric medication, different healing modalities. I unfortunately dropped out of college right when I was diagnosed. It was just, you know, I was, this was 10 years ago, nine years ago. And I think Instagram had just started. Hashtag self-care wasn't a thing. When they called, when they said I, I was bipolar, I was like, my life's fucking over. Like, that's right. it. I'm crazy. I'm done for, right? Well, it feels so scary. It doesn't anymore. But like, I yeah. know what you're saying, I um, had a bipolar roommate when I was in college. And I remember thinking like, I had never met anyone who was bipolar and I didn't understand what it meant in living with her, I did get to understand and medication helped her a lot, but like it is, it is scary. Cause like it wasn't so talked about before social. Yeah. And so, you know, I always say my husband's in recovery, he's 10 years sober and for, for his specific mental health issue, which is addiction, there was a place for him to go. There was yes. a rehab and then you go, you go to detox and then you go to rehab then you go to sober living and then you have the rooms and the meetings there was no structure for people who just struggled from mental illnesses on a general spectrum. And so I went through a period in my life where I was unfunctioning. I quit every single job I started. I couldn't even be a hostess. I couldn't hold a minimum wage job. I quit the internships, everything. And it really wasn't until I started dating my now husband, then boyfriend, who looked at me and said, you know, 
I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeful, I can be in this relationship. If you're depressed and hopeless, I can't be here. That's a big moment. It was a big moment for me. And it was the moment that I started taking my healing into my own hands, uh, getting really, really uh, honest about my responsibility in the entire situation, where I actually had control and where I didn't, what narratives were holding me back, where depression was keeping me comfortable. And that was at the age of 21. And I've been on a pretty radical healing journey ever since. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But finding entrepreneurship was the thing that allowed me to be functioning in society when psychiatrists, therapists, and doctors were having conversations with me and my parents and loved ones where we didn't know what I would amount to, essentially. It's like hard to grasp in your mind to sit here and to know, like you probably have just like two totally different worlds that you're living in because when the bi, I don't, I don't know any really about bipolar. So, but when you're in the midst of, uh, what do you? Is it like an episode or a? So I'm type two. So type one leans more towards mania, and I lean more towards de- towards depression. So I have hypomania, which I don't really talk about too much because, quite honestly, it's really fun and not really that dangerous for me. Um, so fun. when I have, you said it's fun. Yeah, it kind of just feels like I'm, you know, a little high on life for a little bit. And (laughs) I have energy and my steering wheel feels amazing when I'm driving. And it's great because it hasn't, my hypomania never got to a point and hasn't gotten to a point where it's dangerous, right? It's just kind of a momentary revved up viewpoint of life. Um, So my episodes are really when I just plummet down really, really quickly. Is that after the hypomania, hypomania hits? Yeah, you know, my my cycles have changed over the years. They used to be people can rapid cycle, which means they can go in between feeling high and low very quickly within the day, within the hour, etc. Mine were more long, so I would go into depressive episodes for like 3 months at a time. It felt like every 3 months was kind of the way I phased and I mean that's not uh true for my life today, but uh I was not such a rapid cycler. I was more like a long-term cycler. What know what provokes a cycle? You know, back then when I had such long outstanding cycles, there was a lot in me that I wasn't taking care of myself. So responsibility was a trigger for me significantly, like having to show up somewhere, having to do something. Social events were triggers, traveling was triggers, basically anything that really had to do with me extending out of my comfort zone, putting myself out there and actually figuring out my life. So that's why I always say my bipolar disorder and depression kept me so comfortable and that I really became addicted to that state of mind because I didn't have to do anything. I could cancel last minute and my friends would be like, oh, it's a mental health thing, like she's sick, right? Or I could not take the minimum wage job and just like live at my mom's house. It was a way for me to not look at my life in the eye and say, okay, I'm here and I'm a human. And this was the cards that I was dealt. And if I don't take radical responsibility over them, and if I don't stop saying, well, that's not fair because Sally down the street just went to college and got a job and is fine and I can't figure out why I can't get out of bed. I need to ditch that narrative today because it doesn't serve me. It doesn't hurt Sally. It hurts me. And once I was able to really, really just accept that this is what I have, this is what 
I was born with. And not only this is what I was born with, but that I was born with it for a very divine purpose and reason. I was not accidentally born with emotions that overflow into dark corners for no reason. And so once I stopped playing a passive bystander in my life, and once I assumed the responsibility for my disorder and my illness, I didn't hand it off to my parents. I didn't hand it off to my psychiatrist or the medication or any of that. Um, was when I started realizing that I am so much more in control than I ever thought that the narrative that was given to me as someone with a mental illness was one of playing small and helplessness and victimhood. And it's just not the narrative that, that got me anywhere. And so once I had that mindset shift within, it didn't mean that I didn't experience heavy depression, catatonia, psychosis. I hear voices in my head. It doesn't mean that I don't experience that or haven't after making that decision over my life. It's just that I'm willing to bear it in the pursuit of other things. That's amazing. And that's like a big deal. When someone diagnoses you with this title and this label and says, this is what you are. This is what you probably will amount to. This is it. I mean, that's like a huge, huge statement for someone to say that. And like, I know doctors, and medical professionals, that's their job to like diagnose and stuff. But like, I always struggle with people giving such definite answer to what someone is and what they based on circumstances that are being presented because like you I believe that anyone can amount to anything if they are given the correct tools and find the right avenue which is what you said you and given their support you figured out that entrepreneurship was a part of your healing I mean the fact that you figured that out that's not, a doctor would never die, give you that as part of your cure. I mean, that's, you went on a search and found it. Like, and how, how did, how does being an entrepreneur and specifically an emotional entrepreneur is what your self-titled book and your, in who you are, how, how has that helped you in being bipolar? What has that done for you? So entrepreneurship just gave me a framework where my bipolar could play. Everything else, my bipolar would flare up and take me down. You know, working as a hostess, I could call my psychiatrist and take, get a note to, to leave work early or not show up. I couldn't handle authority. There was just so many things that I didn't fit into the box of. And when I don't fit into the box of something or when something is out of alignment to this day, my depression will flare up so bad that it'll, it'll force me to course correct. So, so it kind of shuts you down. Like when you feel mm -hmm. like overwhelmed and overburdened and like when like authority, like you're saying, it kind of shuts you down. I, I'll make a distinction here. It's not when I feel overwhelmed or overburdened by okay. things. It's when the things on my plate aren't things that light me up. Okay. Okay. So I get overwhelmed constantly with Scout's agency and I'm like, I'll take it all day long because this is my dream and this is an alignment for me. So the moment I found entrepreneurship, at that point I had garnered up some strength I was working a part-time job as a barista. I was like in one or two community college classes, just like dipping my toes in to see if I could start my life over. And I was sitting at a coffee shop with a good friend of mine and we were looking at a magazine and I just said, do you want to start a magazine? It just popped into my head. And she said, yes. And we were just going to print it at Kinko's. It was going to be an arts and crafts project, right? And we were going to pass it out to our friends for free. And my brain switched. That night, I went home. I bought the domain, the Instagram. I researched every printer in Orange County where I was living at the time. I had then set up all these meetings at every printer in a freaking 50-mile radius. And then I got a quote. I needed $10,000. And then I did a Kickstarter. And then, 
you know, our third issue were distributed across the country and Barnes and Noble emails me, a barista who's trying to go to community college to distribute my third issue, which had Halsey on the cover. And what? it was crazy. It was, and all of a sudden I became the girl who couldn't hold the minimum wage job, but I was showing up and then some for my own thing. And so it showed me that entrepreneurship puts so much responsibility on my shoulders that I can't not show up because if I don't show up, there's no one else to tap in. And so that much responsibility and me having the flexibility and freedom to create the type of work I did, the speed at which I did the work, who I worked with, everything I could handpick just literally grooved with my mind. I mean, bipolar's high highs, low lows, entrepreneurship, high highs, low lows. I was like, I can do this all day long. So it was in that moment and that experience running that magazine at the age of 23 that I realized that I, I got to do my own thing from, from here on out. And it sounds like you kick into like high turbo gear. I do. I kick into high, high turbo gear and it's, I really shamed myself for it a lot. That's a, that's an asset. That's amazing. I think that, I mean, now I, I mean, I've always seen it as an asset, but sometimes, you know, I think especially as women, I'm sure you can relate, like you don't want to be too intense. You don't want to be too much. And so I played that down to other people, but I think people who have seen me in the zone, it's, it's a force and I just don't stop. Tell me how you transitioned from the magazine to Scout's Agency, how you put up Scout's Agency, because this is a very niche, I always say that word wrong, niche. I want to say niche, but I think that's wrong. It's niche, right? <laughs> niche. I say niche. niche. Oh, French. niche. Okay. It's more French, you know? Okay. Niche. It's a very niche market that you have. And tell me how, I feel like you're just an ideas person. When you see something and it clicks in your brain and it all lines up, you're like, yes. And then you're like, not only yes, let me just like freaking whip this together like a baller and make it awesome. Yes. And I have done so many things that have not even come to fruition because sometimes I just have an idea and I need to get the energy out, which is probably where the mania comes from. But I, after starting that magazine, you know, the one thing I couldn't do or I wasn't able to do at that point in my life was make it a viable business that financially made sense. So beyond the Kickstarter donation of $10,000, it was very difficult for me to see a situation where this made money without bringing in outside investments, et cetera. And at that point, like I emotionally and maturity wise, what I wanted for my life, I just wasn't there. And so I did a bunch of other things and I started a podcast. I started OKSIS podcast with my sister and six months into OKSIS podcast, we would have all these amazing women come on our podcast and we were like, how are we talking to Vanessa Grimaldi in her hotel room right now? We're just two Jewish sisters from Southern California who are somehow interviewing all these reality TV stars and our favorite entrepreneurs from our favorite brands. And so one, I saw the power of the network that was coming into me and my sister's orbit just like five months in. And two, what really interested me was that when we would have a guest on our podcast, our community would follow our guests on Instagram, buy their product, enroll in their courses, buy the book, whatever it was. And I recognize that podcasting is the best form of PR, period. And when I say, when I like recount the story, this sounds a lot more organized. It was not this linear. I think I just like had a bunch of shit in my head and then I went for it. Um, and at the time I was working for my mom, which is the next best thing to being my own boss. And I really wanted to get back to running my own thing. 
And so I had a media kit made up. I wrote down, in the beginning, I just started representing podcasters just because that was the space that I came from. I created an Excel spreadsheet of a thousand female podcasters and their emails. I emailed all a thousand and my Gmail got blocked. Yeah. I'm sure people are like, who is this person? My you are incredible. This is amazing. Well, I wanted clients. I was like, I can't, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't say delusional. That's really the wrong word. I believe that the, it's a statistics game. Like the more people I email, the more chances I have of creating a 10 client roster and quitting my day job and being financially successful. So I just went at it and Google blocked me. My Gmail got, you know, I was out of my Gmail for 24 hours. So I started another Gmail account to keep emailing. And pretty soon I recognized that our services, which we book high profile guests, if you have a podcast, our bread and butter and what we're known for is that we get women as guests on podcasts and run really high profile tours for people like Rebecca Minkoff, Kat Sadler, Jessica Zweig. Kelly Baker, Vanessa Rossetto. So that's been kind of the when most. You say tours. What do you mean by tours? So we take women, our clients, and similar to if you were to write a book and go to 10 cities and do a book tour, we do that, but we put them on a plethora of podcasts. So it's for the woman who really wants to get her brand and mission and voice out there through podcasting. So we'll organize a whole podcast tour for her. Where she, well, she'll go on other people's podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, got it. That's really what we're known for. Um, and then we also do traditional PR as well. Okay, so you email a thousand people with podcasts. Are they all women? Are they all women podcasters? Mm-hmm. So you email, was I in that list in the, initially or was I in like another round? Because I was like stoked to get hooked up with you. I don't know. I have to look into that. You don't have to look into it. Don't worry. I don't really need to. <laughs> okay, so you email all these podcasters. and. Mm-hmm. Then, what do you tell them? Do you have clients yet to get on their podcast? Or what are you saying once you get one on the hook? So the first client of mine was, was Kathy Heller from Don't Keep Your Day Job, which is right out of the gate, a huge client. And for her, I was booking guests on her podcast. And I was booking her as a guest on other podcasts. So, so that's your pitch. You're like, I will get yes. you guests for your podcasts that are awesome. Mm-hmm. And I will also pitch you to go on other podcasts. Yes. Having no idea if I could do this, by the way. (laughs) Um, I don't come from an agency, don't know PR, never done pitching before, but here we go. Let's try it. But you've got balls and you got drive and hustle and a vision and that's all it takes. That's all it takes. I mean, people I think tend to overcomplicate industries. Um, I think that there's just so much that you can learn just by trial and error if you're willing to get into the trial and error uncomfortable zone. Yes, and put yourself out there and be rejected by tons, but then all you need is a few yeses. Yeah, all I need is a few yeses. So I think four months into starting, I quit my day job. I was making more at the agency than I was at my day job. And six months in, I opened up the roster to representing not just podcasters, but female entrepreneurs, authors, brand uh, owners, etc., and hired my first employee six months in, and now here we are two and a half years later with a team, including myself, of five amazing women. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you so proud of yourself? I am so proud of myself. I'm, I cry a lot out of pride and why I don't hesitate to say it so unapologetically is because I, I don't think we do that enough as women. I I truly look around at my life and I'm in total and complete utter awe. I am so grateful. I cannot believe I did this and I have so so many goals for the future and I love living in both of those spaces at the same time. Being grateful for the now and the excitement of the future. Yeah. Is that, and do you feel like that's been the best remedy and cure for dealing with bipolar is because you have all this hope. You're doing exactly what your husband said. It's okay if you have moments of depression as long as you have hope. And you always have hope. My hope turned into faith, turned into evidence that I could do things. I always have hope. And at this point in my life, I've just really accepted what I have to do to take care of my mental illness. I feel, I haven't said this because it, it, I don't know if I can go back on it. Of course you can. But I feel as if the identity of being bipolar is slowly leaving me. I don't know if that is so true today. You know, I experienced a catatonic episode the other day and I was having really bad anxiety. And in what does catatonic mean? What does that mean? So catatonia is something that people with bipolar very rarely experience. It's a symptom where if I'm too anxious or overwhelmed or haven't slept enough or physically taken care of myself, my nervous system kind of fries out and I become uh, my cognitive 
abilities really slow down. It's difficult for me to speak. Uh, sometimes I'll get paralyzed and I can't mo- move. Like my motor skills really slow down. So even with experiencing low grade catatonia last week, you know, I've really just adopted the narrative that right now I'm just human and that I'm just experiencing human emotions because I honor and revere them so much. And I understand that every time I have an emotional reaction to something, it's a lesson, it's a mentor, it's a guiding sign, it's a warning sign potentially. And I've developed such a secure relationship within my emotional experience that I'm no longer afraid of it. So that's huge. Yeah. One of the lessons in my book is all around feeling safe in your emotions. Because once I realized that most of my suffering came from the fear of experiencing my emotions. Okay, so tell me that the fear of experiencing fear that they're going to be so huge that they might like kill you or not like literally, but like that they might just like wipe you out. Yeah. So whenever I was in a depressive episode, my mom would say, it always passes. It always passes. And I would look at her and and I would say, but it comes back. Mm. I was just so focused and scared of that impending next episode that was going to hit me and take me out. Was it going to ruin this internship that I was in? Was it going to ruin the trip to Paris I took with my family, which it did because I left a very fancy restaurant in complete tears and hyperventilating? Like, my emotions ruin things for me. And I shouldn't say my emotions ruin things for me. I should say my reaction to my emotions ruin things for me. Mm. And so once I got to a point where I felt so safe in them because I looked at the evidence of my life in that they've never actually permanently taken me out. They've never actually destroyed my life. I'm still here standing as a survivor of my emotions, which means that I will continue to take them and experience them and survive them. I was able to, I always say like, you have anxiety, that's your base feeling, right? And then you have anxiety about the anxiety. You are suffering, like the pain is here, it's the anxiety, but the suffering is from the anxiety about the anxiety. It's about the catastrophizing. It's about the resistance. I don't want to feel this right now. Why am I feeling this right now? Get this away from me. That actually heightens and heightens and heightens and heightens the emotion to the point where you get so stuck and it's so difficult to get out of it. So every time I experience anxiety, let's say, I stop what I'm doing. I put my hand on my heart and I, I sometimes out loud, sometimes in my mind, depending on where I am, I'll say, I hear you. Thank you for visiting me right now. So you uh, now view it as a teacher and something to get aid and guide you that's there to protect you, really. It's giving you signs, like you said. Yeah, that either something's out of alignment, that I'm exiting my comfort zone, so it's trying to protect me, and then I can say, I know you're really scared that I'm doing this thing, but I really got to do this thing, so get on board. You know, I, I assess if the emotion is trying to hold me back from pursuing something because it's making me grow and growth is uncomfortable. Or if it's saying, yeah, this isn't the right choice for you, course correct, please. So, so it gives you the chance to really examine, which is a huge blessing before going into something, a new venture, a new situation. Like you really, your emotions really put you in check to examine if this is actually a good thing for you. They're, yeah. It's incredible that you can view them this way. Yeah. I'll say, you know, whenever I talk to someone who's diagnosed with bipolar or depression or anything, I say, I just want you to know you're one of the lucky ones because I view myself as the most lucky that I have bipolar disorder. I will never wake up at the age of 40, 50, 60, 70 and ask where my life went because the minute I do something that isn't a total body yes, 
my disorder, my mental illness, my emotions will flare up so significantly that they will knock me out and I will not be able to continue. So I have the most amazing internal compass. And I'm talking, it'll knock me out in a matter of two weeks. I will know in two weeks if something is not what I'm meant to be doing. And so in that way, I have decided to listen to them rather than to fight them because they really, really show me where to go. Gal, this is like super profound. And obviously, I'm just listening to your story and awe and like having thoughts. I don't know anything. I'm not medical in any sense. I don't ever want to like have anything like that. But like, to me, it's almost like your bipolar is just you being so in tune, spiritually connected to yourself from mm-hmm. such a young age that, that, which is, okay, no, I'm going to say this all wrong. I do not want to be disrespectful to any of this because like mental illness is a real thing. I actually just got on antidepressants myself. Like I like believe in all of it so much, but it's like, yours is such a, yours was, is so loud and you're, you're, that it has to have a disorder that people are afraid of because it's so intense. But really, when you listen to it and use it as your teacher, it is, you are so in tune and you are so blessed to have this guidance that is so loud and so overwhelming that it will like shut you down if you're not living your life the way you should. That it's really a massive blessing when used correctly, like you're using it, but it's, so hard to navigate those feelings that I'm sure I'm sure so many people don't know how to use it as a blessing because it is probably has taken you years it has decades years to figure this out and finding your passion of entrepreneurship and finding your way I mean it's hard for a lot of people to get to your place you've done so much work but really your your diagnosis is just such a blessing you in alignment and when you're in alignment you're living the life you came here to live so that's amazing you uh hit it on on the nail i when you were talking like i kept interchanging bipolar with god while you were speaking to me because i just think that the gift that i've been given you know, I was given this and then I chose to see it as a gift. And in that choice that I made, which anyone can make at any time in their life, I was able to receive such guidance, such guidance that I really never feel alone or I never question if something's right or not for me because I know I'll be told or I know that the truth You'll will feel come it. to the surface. Yeah. You'll feel it in your entire being from yes. head to toe and every ounce of your makeup. If it's not the right choice, you feel it. Mm-hmm. You are like a walking spiritual outlet. I mean, we all are spiritual beings, but like you are yeah. so plugged in. And now that you know that, I mean, you literally, that's it. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not jealous of your journey, but I am a little bit in awe slash like positive jealousy of how in tune you are. I mean, that is such a blessing to be that aligned with God. And I know it has a huge other side that you've had to like navigate, but like now that you're here, that is just I'm literally like speechless. I can't even I've never had I've never I've never had a conversation this in depth with someone who's had bipolar and then like seeing how you have turned this into the way the blessing that it is it's just everything can be a blessing and it is a blessing everything is a blessing everything like I look at everything as you know for example take my book launch 
I put so much resources into this time, energy, the most money I've ever put into anything. And like my attitude is show me what you got. Like whatever happens that week is literally exactly what's supposed to happen. If I don't net positive financially, there's another blessing and gift in this, in this whole experience. If I don't hit certain goals that I've like loosely made for myself and I don't even really want to make goals because I can't possibly think that I can dream up the right scenario for me with all of this. I do the work. I'm on the podcast. I wrote the book. I'm marketing it. I'm putting my life into it. I'm putting my money into it. I'm, I'm showing up energetically. The response that I receive from the world is so out of my control. And I know that whatever response I get is the exact response I'm supposed to. And so like, that is incredible. I love this scout. Thank you. There's a quote from A Course in Miracles, which I haven't read, but someone told me this. They said that those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait without worry. I think it's so good. When I heard that, I was like, whoa, what would okay. our lives be Say like? That if- again. Say that again. So it's those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait without worry. Because you know what you did had to be done. Your mm-hmm. spirit told you this is your calling. This is your passion. Your brain and your creativity put, to, put together the concept. You built it. How did you know that this book had to be written? How did you know it was time to write The Emotional Entrepreneur? And tell me what this book is all about. My first career goal ever since I was, I think, seven was to write a book and be an author. So that's always been my first career goal. And it's the only career goal that I've waited on, which I think is really interesting because usually when I want something, I jump into it. And so I think there was something about me that understood that to write a book, you have to live a certain amount of experiences or you have to spend a certain amount of time. You know, I'm talking about nonfiction. Um, You have to come up with something that is so aligned and purposeful and valuable to you that you believe in. And so writing a book has always been on my to-do list and not in a way of like, I kept putting it off in a way that I just knew when the moment would be right. I get that. And you didn't want to rush it. You weren't, you had to wait for it, the timing. Right. And you're yeah. right. Yeah. And I went into it really in the pandemic, which is when I got the idea that it was time. And I actually, to be honest, this is weird, but um, the first week there was like this Instagram post that said, don't worry, you don't have to write the best selling novel at this time. You don't have to do this. And I was like, or I could like, or I could, like, you know, don't, don't shame me for wanting to do something during this time. And so I think that's really where the seed was planted. And then I went to, um, I hired Rhea from Right Way to help me with the book proposal and the outline and just really thinking of the messaging. And like every first time author, I went to her saying, I want it to be vignettes of my life, a memoir. And she said, no one wants to read your memoir. Uh, memoirs are for when you are kind of more at the end of your career. And I said, okay, fine. So we really, I started thinking about what my message really is here right now. And through the pandemic, I started really being open and vocal about my mental health because I recognized that a lot of people needed mental health support during that time. And I also recognized that there were so many women around me who wanted to start businesses, et cetera, but couldn't follow through on their dreams because of fear because of uh, fear of failure, because of what risk feels like, anxiety, all these things. And I really recognize after being in business at that point for a year and a half of Scouts Agency, we 
hit six figure revenue in the first, the second we were on track to over double that. Um, that the reason I was successful with Scouts Agency wasn't because I knew how to manage clients or because I knew how to do a PL or because I knew even how to price my services. It was because I emotionally was resilient through every single challenge and had been around the block when it comes to kind of getting hit in the face with depression and anxiety. And so I wrote The Emotional Entrepreneur. It's 25 lessons. Each lesson is a different emotional mindset tool that will help female entrepreneurs really chase after their dreams, whether it's starting a YouTube channel, a podcast, an agency, a product-based business, whatever it is. And I, to be honest, it poured out of me. I think I wrote it in like a month. I think I wrote a third of it in a weekend in Palm Springs. It poured out of me so significantly that I take credit for the book, but I also know something else was moving through me at the same time. And so it was, it was the easiest thing I've ever done. How did it feel once you birthed it and once you had it all collected in these pages, it poured your soul into it. You received the inspiration. You opened up your channel, let it flow. You wrote it down. It had been your life, your life's work of gathering these lessons, of gathering these tips, of gathering these tools to help yourself that now you were putting them in a structured place and in a, in a time capsule that can, that will be saved forever. And given to the world and women to help others. Like, what does that feel like? Because it's a lifetime of your work now and, and just of your revelation and your life in this book. And that's probably why it was so easy too and divine because you lived all this. Like you have like, this is like firsthand, hardcore. It's so interesting you say that. And I've been struggling with this a little bit because, you know, we're recording this obviously before the launch. And so I think my reaction will be different after the launch once it's in the wild and in people's hands. But I'm notorious for celebrating small wins, big wins, medium wins. I celebrate everything in my life. And this one has been so exciting as like the, the event and the launch and all the fancy stuff around it. But the actual book, like thinking about the fact that I wrote it, that I'm an author, that I'm like holding it in my hands. <gasps> Let's see that. Let me see it. Ooh, it looks good. Is it's that so hardback? Yeah. That's the back. Oh my God. Stunning. Yeah, I'll send you a box. Um, I can't wait to get my hands on this and read it. It's, everything in my life has been hard. Like running Scouts Agency is hard. It's awesome, but it's hard. A podcast with my sister can be hard at times. This was just not hard at all. And so... Which is crazy because writing a book sounds hard. <laughs> yeah. So I don't even know how to celebrate it because I usually celebrate things that were difficult that I got through. Mm. And so this is like a really, really big test. My next universal assignment right now is receiving. Can I just receive a celebration for the sake of something that was just my being. Like this book is just my being. And so I am proud of my life and where I've gotten to. But when it comes to like this product, I've actually felt the least amount of pride compared to other things 
because it was so easy to write, if that makes sense. So much sense. Which I should probably explore that in my journal a little bit more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I love that you said my next universal. Okay, so tell me what you are subscribing to when it comes to your connection to the divine. Because I love all of that. Yeah. So I was raised, uh, I am Jewish. I was raised in a Jewish private day school my whole life. I did not know anybody. Nobody was in my phone that wasn't Jewish until I was 18. True story. Um, And so, of course, I grew up going to synagogue, high holidays, praying. We had Judaica classes. We read the Torah, etc. But... I think Judaism is an interesting religion in that it can be very cultural versus religious. And so my family was much more on the cultural side and the tradition side, just keeping up the traditions and the holidays and it's about family. And so a connection with God wasn't super, what's the word, encouraged to uh, be developed. You know, it was just like a thing that we prayed to God, but I never questioned what that meant. Or if I even believed it, to be honest, I was like, this is what my great grandma said, my great grandma all the way back. And it's my role to carry on these traditions. And when my husband said that thing about hope, I didn't know where to turn. So I went to a depression anonymous support group, which follows the 12 step program. And one of the first steps is to develop a relationship with the higher power of your understanding. And so I didn't even know what that looked like. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know who God was for me. I didn't even have a relationship with God, divine source energy. And so I just started praying to God 
And it opened the door at the age of 21. And then I started getting into more spiritual practices like acupuncture and cupping and Reiki and reading Gabby Bernstein. And I suppose subscribing to the more kind of just generalized spirituality. But it wasn't really until actually a year ago, I knew that I kind of belonged in a spiritual philosophy. But it wasn't until a year and a half, a year ago, that I developed such a strong relationship in God that it was almost like, should I tell everyone on Instagram that I believe in God now? Because it was so great. And I remember going to Palm Springs last year and staying at a hotel. And there was these two women, one my age and her mom. And for some reason, I felt like talking to them. And the mother looked at me and I told her about my bipolar disorder. She was reading a book about praying for your husband. And she was, she's a Christian. And I just wanted to be around her because she believed in God. And I didn't know who else to be around. And she looked at me and she said, God will cure your bipolar disorder. And I looked at her and I think if someone had said that to me five years earlier, I'd be like, you're nuts. Um, but I, I let that be true. I said, oh. what if that is true? Because and, it's just a human who said that yeah. you had it, that you can't be cured. I mean, and what right did they have to tell you what can happen? Yeah. So I started just relying and allowing God to support me. When I feel so overwhelmed by my, my, by my emotions, it's an immediate prayer time for me. Immediate. I now so distinctly see, you know, it's so hard for me to talk about sometimes. I feel like I'm really articulate in everything except my spiritual practice because well, it really, it's, it's in your head. It's in your it brain. It feels like magic. Too. Yes. Yeah. It feels like magic. Like if I put this out and pray and surrender, I receive. And when you start believing in a higher power around your life, it's like you don't see coincidences anymore. Things just really, really connect within. And so you know, I have a friend, I joined her Bible study every now and then. Like for me, it's just being in the presence of others who have a strong relationship to God. I find to be such an inspiring and strong energy to be in. I love that. And I love what you said about the connectedness, how things don't feel like coincidences. And I feel like I grew up Christian, but I had very open minded parents. My mom taught philosophy. So we were never like super locked into like it has to be this way and there's all these rules and all that stuff because that really turns me off and I feel like yeah I hate all the like this is how life has to be fire and brimstone if you don't do this you're going to hell because I'm like it's the same way that I feel like diagnosing people are giving someone a title like yes you can do all these things but like anyone is capable to do anything that they that they want and like these are just people coming up with their interpretation of religion based on what's been passed down to them or you know and like I just think that like like you're talking about it is such a once you actually feel God in you and like figure out how to feel him on your own and you're not just like following the religious protocol that you've been taught it's a game changer because it really and I found I went on a spiritual quest my whole life I've been on a quest but like really started diving into it in my like late 20s 30s and now like just like I, it's so, and I, same thing. Like I got into Abraham Hicks and Gabby Bernstein. Mm -hmm. Like I was like uh, watching Oprah Super Soul Sundays all the time. And I was just like any place I could go to gather spiritual information, I would just go on this quest because 
it's so wide open and it feels so overwhelming in the beginning, but then you start to actually see the connectedness of everyone and how it is magical. And if you can stay in that positive headspace that there's this higher force working for you, it really like it's it, it's everything is magic. And like there was a there was a few years of my life where I was like hardcore into it and manifesting so positive. I mean, I have let life beat me down some and now I I feel like I go through dips and waves and sometimes I'm like I know I got to get back to that like awesome pure place of like believing and everything, but it's it's hard to stay there all the time. You have to have practices, rituals to yeah. keep yourself there. Because life can take you back down just to the day-to-day grind. But like it is such a difference between like feeling God and spirituality and just like knowing the what you've been taught. Yeah, when you feel God, it's a different experience. And for me, it's been I had such a spiritual awakening that I was kind of like in the airy fairy university, like really not grounded zone. Which is a cool place to be. It's a cool place to be, and it can get a little like trippy and yeah, a little yeah. a little destabilizing, a little like, oh, oh, what's happening? And I realized that, you know, as much as that exists and that's fun to be in and it's fun to be in the metaphysical and the miracles and all of that stuff, I also recognize that I'm a human being and I, my soul was put here on earth for a reason. And so for me to not live here in the physical world, for me to not be grounded in my human experience not just my spiritual experience would be a shame for this lifetime. And so whenever I get a little too spiritual, I, I really go back down to my soul and remind myself that my soul decided to be here on earth for a reason. And so I need to look around at the earth surroundings, at my 3D surroundings, my physical surroundings, and be, you know, taking care of my body. Just it helps me ground a little bit when things can get a little crazy expansive, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And I totally understand. And I think that you put it into words, maybe what happened to me. And like, cause like there, like, like I was telling you, there was like two years where I feel like I was snapping my fingers and magic was happening. And I was so in tune to God. And like, I was so light and positive and like floating and everything was just in a cloud. But it was like, it's important. I enjoyed having that season because it's so nice to connect that intensely to your spiritual side and like float in that. But then life does, you, we are here. Like you said, I love the way you put that. And then it's like finding that balance of like staying connected and being grounded. Yeah. Alyssa Romeo, I think that's her name, uh, wrote the mm. book, Meet, Meet Your Soul. And she said that sometimes spiritual people live in spirit too much and they don't remember that they have a soul here. And so I always try to be a soul with spiritual guidance, I think is like the way I view it. Like I'm here and I have the wisdom of everything up here to help me in this experience. But you're turning into a real life guru. Um, I mean, you really are. You're really like, you're really like covering some ground here, Scout. Like, you've got a lot to offer the world. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate it. I, I, this interview has really allowed me to see that in in a short period of time. So I thank you for for that gift specifically because. You, I think, acknowledged and seen things that I've thought about, but hearing somebody else put it into words and reflecting back my experience is very validating. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. 
Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. So happy. That makes me feel so validated that I can help you see that because I'm always so inspired. And you'll probably feel this way about your podcast. You have a lot of incredible women. I am. All, I started my podcast four years ago because I, I've never, I'm not, I'm not like really depressed, but I have always struggled with insecurity and like bouts of, I don't even know if depression is the word, but like, just like I get overwhelmed with sadness and feeling and hope, uh, feelings and hopelessness. And like, I was never like anything hardcore, but like moments of just being like rocked to the core by my feelings, feeling lost. I feel the pain of the world. I get overwhelmed by suffering of the world. I get I just like my feelings completely overwhelm me, but I can still function through them. And it's not like debilitating, or anything, but it is in my mind to a point. So I always just felt like other people had everything more figured out and that everyone was better and more special because I was always like, I'm a hot mess. If anyone actually gets to know me all the way, they're going to realize I'm a total imposter and that I don't have anything figured out in my head and I'm a total shit show. And like everything's just like an emotional emotional mess out here for me but like I could like put it together and present it in a way that looked like I was cool had you know like hey hey. but really I just would like be so insecure and so I kind of started this podcast because I knew a lot of people and I had been in the entertainment industry and I had tons of connections to interesting people and I was like I'm just and I was at a very low point in my life in my career life my music career had just fallen apart and I felt like I was just this loser on the planet and I was like okay I'm just I had a friend say start a podcast you know all these incredible people start a podcast and I just went full force and I realized and I got like my first interview was Darius Rucker he lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish now he's a huge country star and like I had all all these people I just like kind of like how you started like I was able to like access all these incredible people and I'm like how is this happening like don't they know that I'm a total fraud and that this is like a total 
I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like scrambling on a hamster wheel. And like, I have no idea how to even, I'm not qualified, like all this stuff. My, my, my critic was just like screaming at me. But then like, I got to know people that I put on pedestals and I was like, everyone story. Everyone felt like a show. Everyone has felt like a total loser. Everyone has had bouts of moments where they are so lost that they feel, and some people have had intense trauma and like tons of abuse, like mentally, physically, sexually, all of it. Like some people have overcome so much in the light, like yourself, like overcoming what you've overcome. And it's like the stories that they have and the life that they have, that they're living in spite of what was pulling them down now is a huge blessing in their life. And it's a part of who they are. And there's, it's turned their life into something spectacular because of what felt earth shattering at the time. And that has just freed me so much. And so getting to talk to women like you who have done that, who have had something that felt so crippling and debilitating for you, but you have switched it around and found your purpose with it. And now you use it to your highest good. And it is like blessing the world. That to me is everything. And it gives me so much hope for life because I feel like everyone has the ability to do that. It does take a lot of work and a lot of pain to go through, but it, but if you do it, then you get to the other side like you and how, what if you wouldn't have gone through all the work to get here? You wouldn't be living this life that you're obsessed with now. And yes, you still have moments where you have to like deal with things, but like you appreciate them now in a different way. And you're not scared of, scared of your emotions. But like, if you hadn't gone through everything you went through and got to the other side, you wouldn't be living this life of magic that you're living. And what a shame would that have been to miss this? I write basically that exact sentiment in my book because I think that a lot of us are afraid to move through that discomfort, through that imposter syndrome, through those insecurities towards healing. And a chapter in my book, I talk about fear and I ask the question, what has fear already robbed you from in your own life? Like all of this wouldn't be, you know, you, your podcast wouldn't be here if you decided to say yes to fear and insecurity and playing small. And all of these conversations that you've had with people wouldn't exist, not only for yourself, but for the thousands of people who listen. Like imagine the ripple effect from the decision that you made to act despite of your insecurities. And I think, about, I think about that now because when I started it, it was just me in my own little bubble trying to do something that I felt like my heart wanted to do, but not feeling like I was qualified. And now, like, I know how I have been so blessed by these stories, but now I view it exactly what you're saying. Like, I now know I have an outlet that really blesses others. And it's not about me and my insecurities and moving through that and having it, having the validation for myself. It's like, okay, this is actually something that is helpful, you know, and I have the ability to. Give gifts that to the world because it's a gift that I have. Like you have these gifts. And like once you can see it in that way, it's so powerful. And like the fear is actually gone now because I know like this conversation that we're having is going to be so powerful for so many people listening. Because what you have walked through, people, women especially need to hear this, you know? Yeah, it's sometimes I get caught up, and sure you can relate, in podcast interviews because it's just the two of us right now. Right. It feels and so intimate. Like no one's ever going to listen to this book. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no way for us to ever value the impact that this conversation will have on the world. You know, I was thinking 
Scout's agency in the last two and a half years, we've booked over 600 podcast episodes, meaning we've facilitated women telling over 600 impactful stories. Imagining the ripple effect of that is huge, which is why I love the podcasting medium because it's just, it takes this intimacy, it takes our lives, it takes our insecurities, our challenges, our successes, our pride, and it just amplifies it to a large audience of people who can relate to it. And the other thing I was like thinking like, in what world can I just listen to Matthew McConaughey talk to Jack Shepard for an hour? Like in what world other than this one? That is so true. And you know what? I think part of the beauty of podcasts is like, this does, it is just you and me right now. Yeah, and this is a is. private conversation for you and me right now. If we never hit sin to the, we never put it out there, no one would ever hear this. But So mm-hmm. we are having a very personal conversation, but because it's a podcast, there's a reason to have this conversation. There's a, a point to it. And then we share it with the world. It, I think the intimacy, of it being in a private space where it's just you and me, it allows us to actually feel like it's just us. So we have a real conversation. Yeah. I, I forgot until we started talking about the impact. <laughs> I always forget. Like I always forget every podcast. I'm like, Oh, right. That goes out. And you know, for better, for worse, like who knows what I'm talking about with my sister on OK Sis. Oh, like, I saw y'all talking about circumcision. Oh God. It's like, <laughs> I always tell my sister, you know, I get on a podcast episode with her five minutes. We talk about uncircumcised penis penises. And then 45 minutes, we talk about how, you know, people in their 20s feel this immense pressure to be something and how we need to be gentle on ourselves. And I'm like, feeling all this shit. And what does my sister put on TikTok? Not me and my element. No, no, no. But me talking about the uncircumcised penises. So, you know, for better... You got to keep it well-rounded. For better or for worse, truly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Scout. Okay, so tell me what your desire is this book not like sales or anything like that Mm -hmm. not like not like not like check marks on a scorecard for like what it's gonna do yeah you know what I'm talking about like what is your goal for this book spiritually and soulfully my goal is that the book helps women feel safe in their emotions so that they can do that exact thing that you did which was push through despite fear insecurities and imposter syndrome it's really, I hope, a dose of emotional courage for everybody. And I think just an equalizer in that we all experience these emotional roadblocks in our lives. I want the book to create a new narrative that if we develop a beautiful relationship with our emotions and if we allow ourselves to feel safe within them, we can create the life that we want. All of those things that we see that we didn't do this year that we wanted to is because our emotions held us back. And so instead of allowing our emotions to hold us back, actually viewing them differently and propelling them forward. So I suppose my biggest thing is that I want to inspire action within women to take control over their lives or to finally do the thing they want or to at least feel safe in taking risks and getting out of their comfort zone. Bigger kind of more tangible goals would be to create a community of women who are interested in this exact, exact, very specific thing, which is emotional strength, emotional intelligence within entrepreneurship or building a, you know, a, a purposeful or dream life, et cetera. So to create some sort of a hub, whether it's like really honestly, like I have so many ideas, right? I want to create an emotional entrepreneur academy for women to walk through these lessons with me. I want to create masterminds 
conferences, whatever. And like, I know what the women who read my book, they will tell me what to do next. They will tell me what they need next. And so for me, it's just being, it's just being okay or accepting the assignment, which is whatever the community needs is where I will take this next, where I will take this movement next. How but freeing the, is that? Yeah. It's so freeing because I don't need to be in control of this. Like this isn't about me. It's, I've been chosen to maybe write the lessons and get it out there and do all the masculine doing, doing, being, being, creating. And then whatever the universe needs from these messaging is what I will show up to do. Oh, I love that so much. Love that. I feel like I try to live that way. I've never put that in words, but like, but like I feel, and I'm, I feel like I'm always a hot mess express. So like, I'm always like, ah, but like in my gut and heart, that's how I feel like I want to live too. Because like you said, with this book, you can write all these goals of what you want to happen. Like I want it to be a bestseller. I want it to be on Oprah Super Soul Sunday. I want it to be whatever. But like, you don't know. There's no way you can know where this book is going to go. It could go anywhere. And so yeah. all you can do is answer the call that's been put on your heart and that your community is asking. That's amazing. And then you give it up and let the universe and the force take it. You know, I've been in my masculine for so long. In that's your masculine? Why, yeah. Like, um, oh, okay. T- break that down. <laughs> like doing, creating, action steps, like da 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 and more, 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 more. And that's the masculine energy. That makes sense. And so I have never really super been in my feminine when it comes to business. And I don't think I can be quite in my feminine with my agency, but my book has a different energy to it. And so, you know, I'm, as we're recording this a week and a half away from book launch, technically this should be a very stressful time in my life. And I've decided to end work early every single day for the next week and a half because I am going to enjoy this to the nth degree. I have done what I can. And right now I am just going to sit back and receive. I was actually thinking this kind of sounds weird. I haven't said this out loud. I was thinking about doing like a... An intimate ceremony with myself where I just surrender the outcome of this book launch to God. And I Ooh, almost I like, that. I almost like seduce life to being even more expansive for me through this experience. Okay. How are you going to do the ceremony? I want to learn. I don't know because I, I don't know who does this. I was thinking of like putting on really feminine music. I think like using my body and dancing and writing a letter and maybe doing some prayer. You know, it could be a five-minute thing, but just to really get in touch with my femininity and my ability to receive and my trust in all of this. I don't know if that sounds ridiculously woo-woo, but it came through for me. I love that. Yeah. Love that. Yes, I'm going to remember that. I'll tell you what I end up doing. I mean, yeah, yeah. And maybe, like, that becomes one of your next things that you share with people, you know? So what would you tell your 14-year-old self and your 19-year-old self who just had the first bout with depression your 19-year-old self who got diagnosed? People ask me this question, and I, I, maybe I take it too literally. I probably wouldn't tell them anything. Like, just keep walking into the fire, girl. You'll get burned enough. You still need to get burned. You still – you need more. That wasn't enough. Clearly, keep going for another few years. Literally, if that's where, if I was time traveling to them, that's what I would say. Metaphorically, for the lessons, 
I would say that you're going to be really proud of yourself one day. That's all I would say. Properly. What do you want to tell someone who feels like they can't walk? You can because you are. You're in it right now. And if you say you can't, you're lying because you just said you can't, which means you're in it, which means that you're surviving it. And if you're still listening to this, you are still surviving. And in five more seconds, you will still survive. And so the idea that you can't walk through the fire is a limiting belief. You just haven't accepted that through the fire is your purpose and beauty and wisdom. And so once you accept that, you will walk through a lot faster. But the idea that you can't is false because you are. What's the first step to tell someone who's at that break? Breaking points are so hard and so individualized and custom for every single person. I really would just say to infuse hope. I wouldn't tell them to do anything differently. If you're listening, like if you're in a really bad depressive episode or in a really low phase in your life and you've become addicted and used to those low feelings, if you try to do something about it, sometimes it threatens the depression. And so I'm not here to threaten your comfort zone. We're not here to do that. We're here to add in. We're not here to take away. So what would your life look like if right now you decided to add in hope? That's it. Just start there. See where adding in that type of an emotion and feeling and thought process how it changes things within. Small. It's a small step, but totally doable for anyone. It's a little hope. Where can you add in hope? Yeah, because I think if you told me when I was at my desk, like, okay, we're going to have a two-hour morning routine, and we're going to eat right, and we're going to gratitude, and we're going to do all these things, I think I'd be too overwhelmed because it's, you're threatening the foundation. You're threatening my life. You're threatening my habits too much. It's too much. It's too mm. much of a shock to the system. So don't, don't change anything. Don't take anything away. Just add in hope. Oh, that's amazing. I have thoroughly loved this conversation with you so much. I'm so happy to get to chat with you. I mean, like we said, we've been in communication now for years. And you've brought me so many amazing guests. Every time I get an email from you or one of your amazing women that work with you, I'm always like, woo! And I always love to interview all the women that you present to me. It's been a true blessing. So thank you for bringing me into your realm. And thank you for this conversation and sharing your heart and your vulnerability and your gifts and how you have just used your life in such a spectacular way. And I always end with leave your life. Super open in your questions. But what do you that they are safe in their emotions. Your book comes out next week. What's the exact date? The book comes out on August 16th, the Monday. So you can get it on Amazon, emotional, The Emotional Entrepreneur, Scout Sobel, um, or you can follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. I will have the link to purchase in my bio and I'll get you the link for the show notes, all the things. How incredible. Scout, you are such an inspiration. Your story is so inspiring, and not only has it inspired me, but I know everyone's inspired, and everyone that you can 
touch. Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable because like we've said in this, it's hard to share like this, but now that you have gotten to the other side, you're blessing so many with your story. So thank you for sharing. And I cannot wait to get your book and just to read these tips and techniques that you have assessed throughout your life and put them in written form. What a beautiful treasure. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's, it's exciting and wild and definitely a vulnerability hangover for sure. <laughs> I know. But you know what? It shouldn't. That's what life is. That's what we're here for. We're only here for the vulnerable. I mean, that's right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I'm just so excited for you. Thank you. I'm so excited. All right. Okay. Bye, Scout. Bye. Talk to you soon. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.